Did you vote on the hiring of 87,000 IRS agents? Was the transfer of student debt from those who incurred it to those who did not? Was that on a ballot? The attack on energy independence, did you vote for that? No, no, no. Mandates, orders, those are the elements of tyranny. And it's happening in the last free country on earth. You need to start thinking clearly. And clarity requires the truth. And this is TNN. And your guide is Dan Newman. Honestly, clarity. Yeah, we see and know things. We learn things. We know about things. Things that we suspected were true, we find out really are true. I guess that's one bad thing about knowing everything or finding out anything and everything we need to know, right? But I guarantee you this one thing. It is much easier to make right decisions when you have all the facts in front of you with which to use to make your choices. We haven't had that for a long, long time in the United States. And then all of a sudden, I guess back in the, maybe the late 80s, early 90s, we began to watch little conservative news outlets just pop up everywhere, even before the internet, cable television. And we began to see maybe, just maybe, what has been crammed down our throats for years as factual news and information on those four big networks. All we had, CBS, NBC, ABC, and then, of course, CNN, the very first all-news cable channel, founded by Ted Turner, by the way, used to own the uh, Atlanta Braves and had WTBS, that big cable station that uh, was on um, almost every cable system in America. We begin to see... Maybe, just maybe, things aren't as they have been represented. And ever since then, we watch as two groups take sides every year. One on the left, which believes government should run everything. The will of the people should be who they elect, and who they elect should have supreme power over the people. And then those on the other side, of which I number one, We are people that believe government is still supposed to be government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And so, guess what? Here it is Thursday morning, and the battle for the truth goes on and on and on. And so, instead of waking up this morning, hitting the office, driving to work, whatever you're doing right this minute, let's just pause for a second and be positive and say thank you. Thank you. I went to a funeral yesterday of one of my heroes 50 years ago this year. He coached a 23-1 and in two-season college football teams, Mickey Slaughter. From those two teams, two years back-to-back, Two national championships at Louisiana Tech University. Who would have thought? Little university in the hills of North Louisiana. 13 NFL pros came off those two teams. One of them, Fred Dean, in the NFL Hall of Fame. And listen, this is what I did yesterday when I went to this funeral for a good friend. 
His family are still good friends. Two sons, great friends. Here's what I said. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. Okay, it's another morning. Everybody wake up. God has given us another day all over the world. Come on. Brand new day.
know about you, but that makes me pat my foot. Lord, I thank you. Another day, Andre Crouch, great friend of mine for many years. I got out of college. I was in radio working part-time. Got a full-time gig. Marianne and I had our first baby, Kimby, and I realized working in radio in Ruston, Louisiana, wasn't going to pay the bills. So I decided to get in the car business where I worked for about seven years. First vehicle I ever sold as a salesman. I was just getting started. The day that I started, the guy that you just heard singing, Andre Crouch, I don't know how many Grammy Awards he won through the years. Probably gospel music's greatest musician ever. All that being said, he was doing a concert at Louisiana Tech, of all things. And he asked what I was doing now. We'd been friends for a while. The group that I traveled in called The Vessels, the five years was in high school and college. We recorded most of Andre Crouch's songs. And uh, we had him come to Louisiana Tech for concerts several times. And he said, what are you doing now? And I told him, he said, you know what? Can you take me out to the dealership where you worked? And I said, yeah, and I introduced him to everybody there. I hadn't even started selling yet. The very first vehicle I sold was a brand new pickup truck that Andre Crouch bought for his dad, pastored way back in Los Angeles. And he had two drummers that were touring with him at that time, and he put one of the drummers in the front seat of that Ford F-150 Ranger XLT pickup, and he drove it back to Los Angeles. And he gave it to his dad. Andre, he had an amazing career in music. But you know where it it began for him? One of the most thankful, grateful people just for who he was and the fact that he was breathing air. He was always that way. You just heard that song, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the morning. When we're tempted to let all of the circumstances take control of our thoughts and our minds, and we begin to identify ourselves based upon our circumstances, not on who we are. Stop and breathe for just a minute. Quit thinking about circumstances and just realize this. As our old friend Rush Limbaugh said, someday we're all going to assume room temperature, which is exactly what Rush Limbaugh did almost two years ago. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for who you are. Be thankful for all of those that you are blessed to have in your lives around you. And just live today. Do the best that you can do today. Do something for someone else today. And do it just because it's the good thing, the right thing to do. Not because of any sense of obligation, Just be thankful, thankful that you can. A lot of people today, they woke up with a ventilator tube down in their chest fighting for their lives in a hospital. We're not one of those people. Be thankful for all you have and everybody you have in your life because there's no guarantee all of that will stay the same. Where are we going on today's show? We're going to start at the top where 
here's something that I think we are going to analyze on a day-to-day basis. At least one segment of each show we are going to do going forward are going to be about the social justice warriors and all of the ills they are pushing on the American people. One of the biggest, oldest, most powerful companies in the United States in our history, Anheuser-Busch, their virtue signaling is costing them a dollar or two. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Anheuser-Busch, we found out late yesterday, has lost more than $6 billion in its market value, in the stock market, in just over a month. Now, why would that happen? It's because of them pushing transgender Dylan Mulvaney into the public eye and forcing transgenderism down the throats of people that like Bud Light. (laughs) Their shares of Anheuser-Busch have dropped nearly 5% after Dylan Mulvaney announced the Bud Light deal at the beginning of the month, wiping out $6.65 billion of the company's market capitalization. So, what the heck is this all about? Dylan Mulvaney, born a male, now claims to be a woman, is the latest spokesperson for Bud Light, which has honored Mulvaney with a limited-release can with his face on the can. In recent social media videos, Mulvaney has promoted the brand, cavorting around in a bubble bath, talking about March Madness. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the biggest gift ever, a can with my face on it. Mulvaney said that when announcing this Bud Light deal. The partnership... I know you know this, I don't even need to tell you. It's instigated a nationwide backlash against the beer brand. Sales nosedived across several states in the nation. Bars across the country are seeing customers avoid the brand, and if you push it down the customer's throats in many of these bars, people quit coming in. In one Missouri bar, sales of Bud Light and other Anheuser-Busch products have reportedly dropped 40%. A bar in New York's Hell's Kitchen neighborhood, which has a high population of gays, saw Bud Light sales drop 70%. Another report found Anheuser-Busch distributors across the nation in the South are being spooked by public backlash to the Dylan Mulvaney campaign. Bud Light Vice President of Marketing, Alyssa Heinersheed, explained in a video that Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of -of out-of-touch humor, and it was really important that we had another approach. Now, think about that. We needed another approach. So what are we going to do? Let's put our heads together and come up with something that can replace the famous Clydesdales in our ads that everybody on the planet knows about Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light because of the Clydesdales. So what can we do? How can we virtue signal and get more people interested in Bud Light? 
why don't we do this? Why don't we find somebody who is a, a biological man and get them to wear a dress and dance around and tell everybody how excited they are because they got their picture on a can of Bud Light. That is going to make millions of people more than we have right now want to buy our product, won't it? Let me just say this. <laughs> I'm not going to be crude, but I'm going to tell you this. I'll just not do this. I'm going to let Megan Kelly... And I'm going to quote Megan. You know Megan Kelly, beautiful young woman. She was on Fox News for a long time, and she got crossways with Fox and left, and she got a, I think it was a $21 or $22 million contract with NBC to do a daytime show. And it was like a three- or four-year deal. And the show failed, pretty much because Megan Kelly, a true conservative, very smart woman, very attractive, but she was going to be Megyn Kelly, and she didn't let NBC and their far-left views uh, creep its way into the content in her show. So they canned her, but they had to pay her the rest of the money. So she now, she started her own podcast, and I think it's just Megyn Kelly. You can probably find it. And it's not like this one because of her gorgeous features and her great communication skills, it's a video podcast. Go figure. I get asked quite often, why don't you do that? Well, if, if you know me, you know I have a great face for radio. <laughs> Megan Kelly does a podcast. And so Dylan came on the scene, <laughs> and Megan hasn't really taken it too well. She's evidently had her fill of Dylan Mulvaney everywhere. And uh, on her podcast day before yesterday, Kelly zeroed in on the very woke Bud Light vice president of marketing. I just told you about uh, Alyssa Heinersheet. The female executive is who's behind what may prove to be the greatest marketing blunder in modern history, which is Bud Light's decision to hitch its Clydesdales to Mulvaney's wagon. Here's what Megan said. I'm so sick of this nonsense. Adding that it's sort of like the Disney executive. I sneak my secret woke agenda in wherever I can. Now, Megan also predicted Tuesday that Heinersheed, a Wharton School and Harvard graduate, going to get fired soon. Quote, she's embarrassed that Bud Light is the drink of choice for Kid Rock supporters, Kelly opined. She's grossed out. She wants it to be the people who are at Harvard and Wharton drinking that product, and she's going to change that single-handedly right before she gets her ass fired, which is going to happen. So in noting that corporations now have those DEI scores, they really do. DEI scores, virtue signaling. Issued by the left-wing human rights campaign, by the way. You have no control over it. They're going to come after you. And so Kelly unloaded on Nike, which, listen to this. This is the part I wanted to make sure I let Kelly say it. 
The reason she unloaded on Nike is because Nike's using Mulvaney to sell sports bras. Here's a quote from Megan. Nike is sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney now for effing sports bras. Okay, I'm sorry, she said. Dylan does not have breasts. Dylan's been taking some sort of hormone that has turned Dylan into some I don't know what's happening there, but those are not breasts, and Dylan doesn't need any sort of a bra, never mind a sports bra. The segment featured a couple of guests, Emily Jashinsky and Ileana Johnson. Kelly referenced them in her next remarks, quote, the three ladies on this program right now have six boobs between us and we actually know what it's like to wear a bra. No one would be inspired to buy one based on non-breasted Dylan Mulvaney prancing around in a Nike sports bra. (laughs) Say, hey, let's put this in perspective. I didn't say any of that. I'm quoting Megyn Kelly. She was saying what no one else is going to say. She also noted that Mulvaney appears to have a serious eating disorder. By the way, Dylan also appears to having an eating disorder, she said. I'm just going to say it, but Dylan is about 40 pounds soaking wet, she added. So this should not be anybody's spokesperson for anything. If there were a woman who looked like that, she couldn't get an endorsement because they would say she clearly is not well, <laughs> are you laughing at Dylan Dan? No, I'm laughing at this whole debacle. And what this proves to me, look, I'm not a big beer drinker. I'm not. But Anheuser-Busch, I've known Anheuser-Busch my entire life, way before I ever thought about drinking a beer. Why? Everybody can relate to the Clydesdales. There have been so many epic commercials that have been shot, featured in Super Bowl after Super Bowl. And every year, people wait breathlessly for the Super Bowl because Anheuser-Busch with those Clydesdales always has at least one epic 60-second commercial, if not two or three, during a Super Bowl. Those Clydesdales... Their magic. As a matter of fact, less than a month ago, the Clydesdales were right here within five miles of where our studio is. And we loaded up, Marianne and I loaded up, and we went where they were and watched them unload and hook the team up. It's amazing. I would not go across the street to see Dylan prancing around in a Nike sports bra. And apparently, a lot of Americans feel the same way. And Anheuser-Busch, who thought they were going to make more money with Dylan Mulvaney prancing around and touting Nike sports bra, they lost in value in a month more than $6 billion value in their company. Somebody's going to get canned over that. You can book it. Wow. Now, do we need to get busy? I I want you to hear something 
before we really get busy. You remember the story that was out there for years about Donald Trump? He was, the story goes this way. He was in his car, I guess it's when he owned casino in New Jersey, Atlantic City. And his driver was taking him either to New York from Atlantic City or from New York to Atlantic City. And apparently there was a breakdown. And they were on a turnpike. And so a couple was driving and they saw this limousine on the side of the road and the driver was trying to, I guess, get a car, a a tire out of the car. I don't know what it was, but, but they knew something was wrong. They had no idea who it was. And so they pulled over and stopped. And the gentleman got out and asked the driver, can we help you? And he helped them. And lo and behold, they looked inside and found out Donald Trump was the passenger. And the story, and it's one of those things that's passed around. You know, you hear about it all the time. Somebody does something amazing. Apparently, Trump found out who this couple was and a couple of days later had his company pay off the mortgage on the people's home. Last week, two men happened to get Donald Trump at a table, probably had to be either in New York City or Mar-a-Lago, especially the last couple of weeks, and they asked him the question. I want you to listen very closely. This actually happened, just happened. Listen to this. Yes. I've been waiting a very long time to ask this. Uh, this sounds like trouble. <laughs> and I just want to know if the story is true or not. You were traveling to Atlantic City, and your limo broke down. Husband and wife pulled up behind, and the husband basically said, I'm going to help him out. So he helped out the limo, limousine, and a week later, the husband and wife received the deed to their house paid off. Was that a true story? It's okay. true. It's true. That's it's awesome. <laughs> Donald Trump is a living cultural legend, and if you disagree with that, you're wrong. <laughs> a cultural living legend. I've heard Donald Trump called a lot of things from a pervert to the orange man. I've never heard him called a cultural legend. Is that a really big deal, Dan? I just gave you the story. You decide, you make your choice, you make your decision. But I guarantee you, if it wasn't true, and this has been out now for several days, I guarantee you it would be a front-page headline at the New York Times and the Washington Post debunking it. We did our research and we found out all that crap about Donald Trump and his limos stopping and the people stopped to help them and for doing that, Donald Trump paid off their mortgage. We prove it. It is not true. He only made two payments for him. <laughs> I don't know. I'm in a good mood today just because I'm in a good mood today. Sometimes, like the song said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the morning. Thank you for giving me another day. And I'm glad to be here with you guys. Listen, you're special. You're family. That's the way we consider you. James Posey piped in. At the very beginning of this, I got a text from him. He's one of my longtime friends, great musician. We've uh, played music together, gosh, I don't know how many hours, thousands and thousands of hours we've played together. 
and he's a great guy. He's a great American, very conservative, and he likes to talk about conservatism. And James, I I know you're listening, buddy. I'm going to tell people a little bit about about you. He's a blue-collar guy. He's a blue-collar guy, hardest-working man I've ever known. And he's been through a lot, as we all have. But he's come out on top. Number one, he believes in God. Number two, he believes in his fellow man. And number three, he believes in doing and living the right way. That goes a long way for making life good. Pretty much, what's that old saying? It's really not an old saying. It's an old biological absolute. You reap what you sow. Seeds you put in the ground, that's what's going to end up growing in your life. Don't expect anything less than that or anything other than that. And we all live right there. I know you know Vice President Kamala Harris didn't make the trip to Ireland with President Biden and Hunter Biden and Hunter's sister. The Vice President has been locked away after she uh, really made a stink down in Tennessee about those representatives of the legislature in Tennessee being expelled, and she turned it into a race war, as is typical. Those are pretty much the only times that she comes out because she can do that. Joe Biden, you know, he's the great arbiter of racist issues. He is the one that stopped all kinds of racism. No, that's not true. In his wake, he was a racist. He glorified an actual KKK executive who served in the Senate with him. But now he's known as the arbiter of righteousness. Why? Because he's a Democrat. And there's been some stuff pop up happening over there in Ireland where Joe is right now. And I'm going to get in. I'm going to dig into that with you. You need to hear this. That's up next. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue. My heroes! M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. MoinHelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie. Hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. 
park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Too much spin on your plate? How about a diet of truth? The Truth News Network sets your table. And here again to serve it up is Dan Newman. Who was the character in Charlie Brown? The one, was it Pigpen? The one that had the storm over his head all the time. I forget who it was, but our president fits that role really well. Everywhere he goes, everything he does now, a controversy pops out. He's in Ireland. I have no idea with everything going on around the world why he chose to go to Ireland of all places. He's got some ancestral blood from Ireland. I get all of that. But there are too many things happening, too many things that need to be paid attention to by the commander-in-chief and the CEO of this nation for him to be running off over there. And so as he is over there, his top secret itinerary, where he goes, when he goes, who's doing what, all those kind of things, it was found in a street on the ground in Belfast, Ireland. And of course, we were told that raises security concerns. You think? A document that showed where he was staying in Northern Ireland, along with phone numbers of senior officers of the police force, Irish police officers around him. It was found on the street yesterday. This is unbelievable. He left the U.S., Biden did, headed to Ireland on Tuesday. With him on Air Force One, his sister, Valerie Biden-Owens, and son, Hunter Biden. Family landed at Belfast Airport Tuesday evening, proceeded to meet with the British Prime Minister on Wednesday. The Irish police force told the examiner in a statement, it's aware of a security breach and that they were investigating. We've notified the senior information risk officer of it. We take the safety of visiting dignitaries, members of the public, and our officers and staff extremely seriously, and we will put the appropriate actions in place. That's what the Irish cop said. Makes me feel warm and fuzzy. What about you? It seems like this president has something about classified documents that aren't a big deal to him. I mean, every few days now, we hear about another travesty involving classified documents showing up over here or showing up over there. And it's like the president thinks, ah, yes, no big deal. Nobody wants me. Nobody can mess with me if they want to mess with me. Why? I'm Joe Biden. It's, 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 I mean, when you look at what's going on around us, I mean, we're looking at war and you know what? We don't know who it will be with. It's probably going to be China. 
If that happens, it's probably going to be China and North Korea. And if that happens, it's probably going to be China, North Korea, and Russia. And oh, by the way, Iran's out there right now, and they've made nice with Saudi Arabia. Those countries, the two versions of Muslims, Sunnis and Shiites, they hate each other. They've never gotten along. They don't respect each other. They don't even have political ties between them until Joe Biden's president. And now they're like, ooh, warm, fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy. Turkey's jumped into the chute there, as has Syria and France of all places. France, they made it clear yesterday that if China starts an invasion with Taiwan and the United States tries to intervene in any way, France is not going to be in it with us. Actually said that. I thought they were U.S. allies. I thought we saved their butts from invasion and total obliteration during World War II by Adolf Hitler. I thought we spared them. Well, guess what? We did. And their president's over there saying, ah, you know, call me Pontius Pilate. You know, it was, he washed his hands ceremoniously when they brought Jesus before Pontius Pilate. And he said, I don't want to have anything to do with this guy. France is saying that about the United States. Why don't we think about just backing out of the hole we've been sucked into in Ukraine which, by the way, is an unwinnable war for us. I don't know about Ukraine. We can't, with this leadership in our country today, we can't win a war against a major opponent. We can't do it. We don't have the equipment in place. We've given most of it away to Ukraine. Do you realize we don't have enough ammunition to fight a war? That's just the beginning of it. We've given up all kinds of things, drones, tanks, aircraft. And oh, by the way, probably $130, 140000000000 billion. We can't even think about it. And that's why, that's why the buzzards are swarming around us. They see us as weak. And you know what? We are weak. We have feckless leadership. You, if you listen to the show, you've heard us play snippets the last few days of our Secretary of Defense, General Lloyd Austin, Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, in testimony before various committees in the House. Neither one of these men are good at what they're supposed to be doing. They have a horrible, horrible past regarding military confrontations. Both of those men were heavily involved in the debacle with our quote-unquote withdrawal from Afghanistan. Basically, the Taliban kicked us out. You do realize that. We found out. We told them we were going to be there 30 more days and leave, and the Taliban said, uh-uh, You've got 72 hours. If you're not gone, we're going to slaughter everybody that's left. And so what did we do? We tucked our tails and ran. That's what 
Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has done in his past. He's got a very public military past. It's not good. It's really not good. And he is a virtue signaler. He's more into punishing military members who refuse to get vaccinated. Forget about the fact that every day more and more information comes to light that the vaccines are not good. They didn't do anything they promised us they were going to do when they forced vaccination on millions of Americans. Yeah, that happened. You want to keep your job? Got to get vaccinated. Well, I got to eat, so I guess I get vaccinated. We could spend another week talking about just that as more and more stuff comes out. We're not going to go there. We will get our butts kicked if we go to war anytime soon. And the war drums are beating in North Korea, in China, in Iran, and now Saudi Arabia there, Russia. Can you imagine... Look in U.S.'s rearview mirror at what happened in World War II. We had two foreign countries. We were at war on opposite sides of the planet at the same time. In the Pacific, we had Japan. And in Europe, we had Germany. And without a very red white and blue loyal populace. We would either all be speaking Japanese or German right now. The American people, they dropped everything and concentrated on making themselves available to do anything and everything to keep our country from being slaughtered on two different fronts. Do you think the virtue signalers today are going to want to drop whatever they're doing, their marches, their drag queen parades. You think they're going to want to stop to do that, to go pick up a rifle and protect the nation against the onslaught that is certain to come from China and Russia? Glenn Beck on this show predicted that by 2025, we will be at war with China. Was he right? I don't know. I tend to believe more about what Glenn Beck predicted than what Joe Biden predicts. I don't want to denigrate the president. I don't. I don't have to. He does it really well on his own without my input. We have leadership problems. Let's switch gears. Big lawsuit filed yesterday. National, probably international ramification. Donald Trump sued his ex-lawyer Michael Cohen for about a half billion, billion with a B, dollars. Trump's legal team filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court for Southern Florida alleging a breach of attorney-client privilege. No reasonable person would disagree that that happened again and again and again. Cohen's mouth is massive. He spews venom every time he opens his mouth about Donald Trump and has. This is an action arising from Cohen's multiple breaches of fiduciary duty, 
unjust enrichment, conversion, and breaches of contract by virtue of Cohen's past service as Trump's employee and attorney. That's directly from the lawsuit. Trump is alleging that Cohen breached their relationship by spreading lies about Trump that were likely to be embarrassing or detrimental and partook in other misconduct while also breaching other terms of his contract. The suit argues Cohen disseminated lies about the former president with malicious intent and to wholly self-serving ends through a myriad of public statements, including the publication of two books, a podcast series, and innumerable mainstream media appearances. Such continuous and escalating improper conduct by Cohen has reached a proverbial crescendo and has left Trump with no alternative but to seek legal redress through his action. Damages are expected to substantially exceed $500 million. You think that's going to make any difference to Michael Cohen? Cohen is one of those guys, he's a very insecure individual, and he needs glorification from others. He needs pats on the back. He needs reassurance. He loved the fact that he had a close relationship with Donald Trump and the Trump family members, and he just reveled in his relationship with the Trumps during the four years of the Trump presidency. But he just got too big for his britches. He really messed up. He really did. So there's more and more and more that keeps coming out about Biden family, Biden syndicate corruption. Brian Kilmeade, of all people, Kilmeade of Fox and Friends in the Morning. He came out yesterday, and I can't even remember which show it was on. It wasn't on uh, Fox and Friends this morning. It was on another show he was he was on during Fox, I guess it was yesterday, and he blasted, he blasted the Biden folks. And it was once again about Hunter Biden. I got to be honest with you, all this stuff about Hunter Biden, what of it is true? And we know absolutely a huge amount of all of the stuff that's come out is factual. I guess the only thing now, the only question left remaining to come up with an answer for is how deep into all of that is the president of the United States. Here's Kilmeade. Oh, yes. President Biden in Belfast, Northern Ireland this morning meeting with the U.K. prime minister. And he brought along a special guest, his son, Hunter. He had to take a break from his art show. It comes after newly acquired White House visitor logs reveal that Hunter's business associates, get this, visited the White House over 80 times while Joe was vice president. Longtime partner Eric Schwerin tops the list with 30 visits, followed by Joan Mayer, who is VP of the investment firm Rosemont Seneca. Congresswoman Nancy Mace serves on the House Oversight Committee and joins us now. Congresswoman, did that number surprise you? 
It's shocking, really. Here you had President Biden lie and deny he had any involvement with Hunter's businesses. Come to find out there's voicemail evidence, email evidence, and now White House evidence where his business partners visited over 80 times when he was vice president. This is corruption at its core. Now, remember, he has dealt with this question in the past. What about Hunter's business dealings? Remember some of these answers. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business yes, dealings? Yes, I stand by that statement. Should he really stand by that statement at this hour with 80 visits? Are they talking about intramural basketball? Oh, it's, a, it's an all-out lie. And here's what our Republican message needs to be. The United States is not for sale. This is not the kind of thing that we can allow to go on. The Oversight Committee, we're going to follow the facts wherever they take us. And we just got all of these suspicious activity reports. We're working every day in that investigation. So the American people actually know the truth of what happened. And look at, he's on that world stage with his son right now. We've lost Brazil. We've lost the Middle East. And Biden has now He's losing the, the European Union over, over Taiwan. And so uh, we're very weak right now on the world stage. And we need to show the American people that he should not be the president after 2024. Congresswoman, we lost France. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, we lost France. So just yeah. by the way, OK, you got logs and you're at home saying so. Well, I think there's one other revelation. Mike McCormick, former White House stenographer during the Obama years, says this. He's been trying to get the FBI's attention. He said, quote, Joe Biden committed crimes in Ukraine in a conspiracy with the current national security advisor, Jake Sullivan. I am a witness to that happening. They've been looking at Hunter Biden, but this ties Joe Biden and Sullivan into promoting a kickback scheme with Ukraine. It's the timeline that does it. And keep in mind, after he left, it turns out a couple of days uh, prior to his arrival in Ukraine, Hunter Biden gets on the Burisma board with very little qualifications. Okay, none. And then $50 million right. gets approved by Congress to support Ukraine's energy sector. Looks terrible. Oh, yeah, it's, it's totally and completely corrupt. They've denied everything, that every fact that Republicans have brought forward. At some point, I'm sure they're going to trot out James Clapper out of the freezer, just like they did over the uh, Hunter Laptop disinformation scheme, uh, to deny this as well. That's what they do. Your concern, I understand, is the press is looking at other things. They, even though he's the current president, possibly running for re-election is expected, they just don't seem to care about this. Why? Well, it's, it's very hard to say, but they will not investigate. No one is above the law. We've heard that for weeks now, not, a, not even a former president. And look at the corruption, the lies that have happened, the pay-to-play. This was not a revolving door. This very much appears to be pay-to-play in the White House when he was vice president. If it's good enough to investigate a former president, then certainly we should be investigating a current president over potential corruption uh, and crimes that we're witnessing right now. So there's something else going on, and that is Alvin Bragg and Jim Jordan are kind of going after each other now. Alvin Bragg seemed very defensive about the possibility of been asked to testify, along with his former colleague, Pomerantz, who's going to be called in front of you guys to answer some questions about what exactly was the political thing happening in your office that it had so much interest in the former president. And you think that overshadows something like this? 
I do. I think the tit for tat will overshadow in the media. I think it ends up being a wash for us, which is uh, which is troubling because you look at the what happened in New York. This was not a crime that was committed, a felony at least. And if it were, the statute of limitations has run out. And so because of that, they're just going to be tit for tat in the media. We know we're not getting fair coverage over the Hunter Biden story because we were all labeled conspiracy theorists. And this, it, the, it's stacked against us right now, unfortunately, in the media. Looks like a fellow South Carolinian, Tim Scott's going to announce he's running for president, if not today, soon. Does he have your support? Well, I see two South Carolinians that might be running for president. Nikki Haley, a friend of mine, a Tim Scott. I go to church with him. Uh, we have great leadership coming out of our state. And I look forward to a vigorous primary in the state of South Carolina, which is first in the South, by the way, for Republican primaries in the presidential. Okay. You parried that uh, question. <laughs> Thanks, Doing Congress my best Coleman. here. <laughs> you did. All right. You got a lot of friends in high places. You know, Kilmeade is a good interviewer. I, uh, I think Fox would uh, be doing themselves some real good if they would use Kill Me more than they do in that kind of thing, which you just heard Nancy Grace and uh, Nancy Mace. Not Nancy Grace. Anyway, the lawmaker and uh, Kill Me there. He's pretty good at doing that. Lot of meat on the bone there. There's so many moving parts in our government right now. And I think what that does is it makes it easier to cheat. So many things are going on, you don't know where to begin to weigh in and find some facts and hold the people involved in wrongdoing, hold them accountable. Evil works well when there's a bunch of other evil around, don't you think? I mean, that's that's just factual. There's some uh, evil that's happened political evil that's happened and it doesn't involve anybody that's currently in politics but it involves somebody a real big heavyweight somebody formally in national politics that has forever been squeaky clean squeaky clean meaning nothing ever sticked in the way of corruption that story's next you're going to love it. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well... It matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online.
this corruption story that I mentioned going into that break, it is about some big-name national politicians. It's about a former president of the United States, so that kind of narrows it down, doesn't it? But it also involves a really good actor, Leonardo DiCaprio. Something that is going on right now in the way... Well... Let me let you listen to this. Turn your volume up. Hollywood actor Leonardo DiCaprio taking the witness stand yesterday, testifying in the money laundering case against former Fuji's rapper, Praz Michelle. Michelle is accused of helping to funnel millions of dollars to Barack Obama and his 2012 presidential election campaign. With the help of a Wolf of Wall Street financier and Malaysian billionaire, Joe Lowe, DiCaprio, who is not accused of any wrongdoing in the case, told the courtroom Michelle planned to donate up to $30 million to the Democrat Party. Mark, no wonder nobody's covering this and the Trump story is all over the place. Let's look over here, not over there. <laughs> A little sleight of hand magic trick, right? Um, look, I yeah. think it's, it's pretty obvious that the Dems are willing to take money from anyone. I mean, look at all the, the SBF funds that, that went their way. Follow the money. And it's not just a Democrat thing. It's not. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money has no political party. Corruption has no name. Exclusivity there. But the Obamas... I can understand why nobody's covering it in the news. But it's out there. So what does that mean? It means that I will keep my eye on this and I will follow it through. Not going to let it just die. This is one of those things that should be quid pro quo. Evil is evil. It doesn't matter what political party it's in, what candidate is involved in it. It doesn't make any difference. Just so you know, and you may not have believed what I'm about to tell you, but you will now just because it's me saying it right. There is no politician when it comes to money that is squeaky clean. Let me say that again. There is no politician when it comes to money, campaign dollars, that is squeaky clean. How do I know that? It cost a fortune to be a politician. You can't become a politician, at least at the national level, unless you've got access to a lot of money. An average Senate race right now is $150 million dollars. If you're in a large state like New York or California, it's even worse than that because you got to get people to vote for you. How do you do that? You cram all kinds of stuff down their throats. Information. They need to see your face in television ads over and over and over again. They need to hear your voice over and over again. It takes money. Lots of money. Now, I have some friends that are very honest. We have friends that are on this show that are very honest. I have no information about anybody that's ever been on this show 
being in the tank monetarily. I'm not. And I'm not saying it's absolutely everybody that's in it. I'm saying they either have gotten into it or they have been confronted with the opportunity to get into it and didn't. Every politician faces that determination, that decision, that choice. It's just a fact. Hmm. One of those such politicians is the current governor of California. I'm not going to get into this now, but I will tell you, coming up a little bit later in our second hour, you're going to hear Gavin Newsom step all over his tongue. I got to be honest with you, this guy, I don't know who he thinks he is or what he can get done. He did manage to get elected governor of California. Got to give him credit for that. And there was a very credible um, case run against him to pull him out of office, to vote him out of office that failed. It was pretty significant. So far, he's been bulletproof. More from Gavin Newsom. You'll hear him in uh, this second hour. But something very strange happened in Texas. I haven't heard anybody talking about this. Listen to this. Approximately 18,000 cows were killed at one time in Texas. 18,000 cows and one person was critically injured. 18,000 cows died in an explosion at a dairy farm in the Texas panhandle. Castro County Sheriff's Office confirmed that the cows were in a holding area before being brought for milking when the blast occurred at the South Fork Dairy Farm in Demet, Texas, northwest Texas, the panhandle. Very few cows in the holding area survived. Your count probably is close to 18,000. There's some that survived. There's some that are probably injured to the point they'll have to be destroyed, the sheriff said. Police said they received eight calls just before 730 Monday night, about an explosion and a fire. Caller said some employees were trapped inside the milking building. When law enforcement officials arrived at the dairy farm, they determined only a woman was trapped in the dairy building. Officials said the trapped individual was rescued, airlifted to UMC Hospital in Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock is located about 80 miles from Dimmit. Officials say all the other dairy employees were accounted for and were safe, Texas State Fire Marshal's office is investigating the cause of the fire. Speculation was probably what they call a honey badger, which is a vacuum that sucks the manure and water out and possibly that it got overheated and probably the methane and things like that ignited and spread out and exploded and caused the fire. So there you go, 18,000 cows. Now, what does that mean? These are dairy cows. So these are not the ones that uh, we use to cook great steaks with. They're more valuable than that by giving their milk. So what does that mean about prices? Beef prices are bad enough, but milk prices, 18,000 cows taken out of the milk picture, the production in the United States at one time. There's going to be some milk price hikes, and everybody's going to scream and holler, you're taking advantage of the American people. 
No, they cost money. Supply and demand is the way capitalism works, folks. And when there's less of something and the demand for that same thing stays the same or goes up, the value and therefore the price for that product goes up. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. But I think it's a sad case. I mean, 18,000 cows at one time. That's a pretty big deal, don't you think? Do you know what a catalytic converter is? I think we all hear about it all the time we have for many, many years. All the way back into the middle 70s when catalytic converters became mandatory by the Environmental Protection Agency, every car sold that wasn't a commercial vehicle, everyone sold in the United States had to have a catalytic converter on it. Catalytic converters have a bunch of trace minerals inside. That's what, that's what gives them the ability to stop some of the pollutants that would come out of an exhaust pipe on a gasoline or a diesel vehicle. That's what it's all about. And those, those minerals make catalytic converters themselves very expensive. So because of that, because of the minerals, catalytic converter thefts are creating havoc in big cities across the nation. Thousands of drivers are victimized and forced to pay for very expensive repairs after criminals cut the catalytic converters from under their vehicles. This kind of incident, this kind of crime nationwide is up 1,215% between 2019 and 2022. National Insurance Crime Bureau is the one reporting these facts. They show 3,400 stolen in 2019, 14,500 of them in 2020, more than 50,000 in 2021. Experts warn the actual number of these thefts is much higher than that as the numbers account for only those victimized who have full coverage insurance. Drivers carrying only standard liability as required by most states to operate a vehicle, are not covered in the event of catalytic converter theft. About 90% of replacements are fully insured. That's according to an Orange County muffler, an automotive shop located in Costa Mesa, California, specializing in catalytic converter replacements. Some without insurance have to trash the car because the cost to repair is more than the price to replace. This is a big deal. Carfax estimates more than 153,000 catalytic converters were stolen from vehicles nationwide last year, and the New York City Police Department reported a fourfold increase in incidents in New York. California accounted for more than 18,000 catalytic converter theft insurance claims. This is back in 21 and the Insurance Crime Bureau reported the state's tally represented 37% of the total nationwide. Southern California, the number one hotspot with its high population density, the number of cars parked on streets at night, creating theft opportunities, popular entertainment and shopping sites, including Irvine Spectrum and South Coast Plaza, have been targeted, even though the lots are lit and security is present. The value, this is what it's all about. 
The value of a catalytic converter is because of what's inside, where some of the rarest minerals on the planet are used to reduce exhaust emissions. What are those minerals? Listen to this. Platinum, palladium, and rhodium. Those three, and all catalytic converters have all three. Those are the elements that make the devices effective at removing particulates and the prices they fetch are driving their demand. Platinum, here's an example, well-known in the fine jewelry world, is highly desirable. It sells for $1,007 an ounce, at least as of this morning. Palladium, used in a wide variety of electronics and industries from aerospace to dentistry, also valued at $1,400 an ounce. But the element that drives the catalytic converter chaos is rhodium. Rhodium spelled with an H, R-H-O-D-I-U-M, the rarest of all non-radioactive metals. It's used in optical instruments and in jewelry. It peaked in price back in 2021 at $27,000 an ounce. An ounce, folks, $27,000. Even though the price of the sellable materials from these catalytic converters that are stolen has dropped, demand for catalytic converters has not. Crimes come in waves, and December was slow. January was light, but we saw a huge increase in February. That's from a spokesperson for Orange County Muffler. Some customers have experienced repeated losses with one Prius owner targeted three different times. We replaced her converter. She paid a $500 deductible, but declined the option to add a $350 protective shield because it wasn't covered by insurance. 12 days later, her vehicle was struck again. She refused the shield a second time. The third time it happened, her boyfriend bought her a shield. And we haven't seen her since. Rhodium, $27,000 an ounce. I can see why criminals are going after it. You can grab a few of those uh, catalytic converters. And if you get a couple of ounces of rhodium, it may be worth the danger of going and ske- uh, stealing them. The cost to repair a missing catalytic converter runs between $1,000 and $5,000, and what determines that, that's a big range, one to $5,000, depending on the make, model, and the state where the vehicle is registered. Those hybrid vehicles, by the way, contain a higher concentration of those precious metals, making them more expensive to buy, more attractive for thieves. Oh my gosh, the love of money. What is it? It's the root of all evil. Now, I promised you Gavin Newsom was going to be here. Now, let me ask you this. What, if you're in business or have been in any business where you interact with people, what is the one thing that, especially if it's sales related or something to do with You've got to convince people. You personally have to convince people that what you say is truthful and that whatever you're touting is something that the people that are listening or watching, they need to have. 
How do you do it? There are two ways to do it. If there's any competition, you put down the competition. You convince the people you're talking to that the competition is evil or their products are not nearly as good as what you're trying to sell them or they don't know what they're doing or you're a better person than they are and the list of reasoning goes on and on and on and on. Newsom, Gavin Newsom, governor of California. I don't think anybody can credibly say he's not planning on running for president. Maybe not this time, but in the near future, Gavin Newsom wants to be president of the United States. So, what does he do? Instead of building himself up, he's one of those people that he feels like he's got to pull everybody else down. And so he is a hardcore far-left Democrat. No question about it. He's in for every hard leftist policy that is out there that you can even imagine. So he's actually gone on the road. And he's going in states. The first state he went to campaign was Florida. And, of course, he and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis have been at each other's throats back and forth somewhat in the last six months or so. And I guess the big reason he went there first is because as millions of people in California that live there, they're looking to find someplace else in the nation where they can go live that doesn't cost as much. Many of those millions, in fact, most of them don't have the wherewithal to make a move like that, but many do. And when they do, those that are leaving are pretty much going to places like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, where taxes are low, but the economies are booming and prices are low. That means conservatism. That means conservatives. And so therefore, if you're a conservative in the United States, if you're one of those MAGA people or you're just a conservative, you're not a MAGA person, kind of like Steve Baker, our partner on Tuesdays here. He's a very conservative man and he's just not a huge Donald Trump fan. Voted for him, but he's not a big fan of Trump. So how does Newsom do it? Well, he goes after people that think differently than he does. Let's be direct. We can't solve a problem without first identifying it. And the problem in our country right now, authoritarian leaders who are so hell-bent on gaining power and keeping it by whatever means necessary that they're directly attacking our freedoms in state after state. It is mind-boggling. Sometimes it's just flat-out insane. Yeah. And what you start to realize is the Democrats are always looking to fill their narrative. The facts don't matter. The issue does not matter. It's what's going to fill the narrative. None of that matters. Only thing that matters is either perpetuating the narrative or protecting their narrative. And that's one of the saddest things that we see up here on Capitol Hill. What's happening in those red states? <laughs> it's not who we are. It's un-American. It's undemocratic. He is such a piece of shit. Mother, he's such a lying dirtbag. Everything that Gavin Newsom says is the reverse of the truth. I got to be honest with you. The guy there at the end of that is Dave Rubin. And I know you now know, if you didn't already, Dave Rubin, who I have a lot of respect for, although he's a gay guy, 
and he has a partner, and they've adopted a couple of kids. Put that to the side. He's right down the middle in conservatism, and he gets it right. You heard what Newsom said at the... Listen, once again, just to the very beginning of this. Let's be direct. We can't solve a problem without first identifying it. And the problem in our country right now, authoritarian leaders who are so hell-bent on gaining power and keeping it by whatever means necessary that they're directly attacking our freedoms in state after state. It is mind-boggling. Sometimes it's just flat-out insane. Yeah. And what you start to realize is the Democrats are always looking to fill their narrative. The narrative. That's all that it's about. It's not the content. It's got to sound good. And so what do you do? You try to create a picture of people that are not like-minded with you. And this is how you do it. Let's be direct. We can't solve a problem without first identifying it. And the problem in our country right now, authoritarian leaders who are so hell-bent on gaining power and keeping it by whatever means necessary. Authoritarian leaders, that's the evil. That's the bad people. Authoritarianism is evil. That is the definition of communism, authoritarian. How do authoritarian governments work? Well, take a peekaboo at China or Russia or even some of the Middle Eastern nations like Iran. In each of those nations, there's a group of leaders. And in some cases, we are told these people are fairly elected. Hmm, fairly elected, that the people choose who those leaders are. That's what is being told. I've got my doubts about it, and why do I have my doubts about it? Well, it's none of my business what happens in Iran or Russia or China or North Korea. None of that is my business. I don't live there. Leaders there don't answer to me. I live in the United States of America. I'm native-born. I've got multiple generations of people in my family that came here from Northwest Europe. We're indentured servers, by the way, which is a definition of white slaves, my forefathers. I wonder if that puts me in the line for reparations. Just thought of that. Anyway, authoritarian and authoritarian leaders exist But let me just say this, in contravention to what you heard the governor of California say, authoritarian leaders that he points to and labels as authoritarian leaders, you know who those people are in our states and in our federal government? It's really people just like Gavin Newsom, people that want to take more authority, more power from the people and give them the ability to determine what the people, everybody in their states, and of course in the nation, if we put an authoritarian, a true authoritarian in the White House, they want to take total control. They want to tell us what we can do in everything and what we can't do in everything. And then create penalties so that if you just dare go against them and It doesn't matter if you're telling the truth or not. If in any way what you maintain is different from what they maintain, you're an authoritarian. And even worse, sometimes they call you a fascist. Oh, my gosh. 
Those are authoritarians. No doubt about it. Adolf Hitler was a fascist. Mussolini in Italy was a fascist. In Russia, in China, we have true communist leaders that do believe government is the god of the people. And whoever are those people that are in government, those are the ones that have the authority, and they're the only ones that are eligible to. Why? Well, they like us to think it's because they're so brilliant, they're such great leaders. It's because at the time that they became those leaders and several subsequent times when someone came after them to take their leadership, they had the bigger guns and were able to do away with their opponents. That's not anything like what the United States was established to be. And we've maintained it through 260 years, even when the Gavin Newsoms of the world pop their heads up and want to talk a willing populace to listen to what they say and make decisions based upon the crap that you hear coming out of the mouths of somebody like Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is blessed. He's got a blessed life in his rearview mirror. And it's not because he built it or he deserved it. It's because of people he knew. He sucked up to some of the biggest families in California. He came from nothing. And the only thing he has built is the ability to turn the power of those big power brokers that put him where he is today to turn it into personal benefit for himself. That, my friends, is a true example of authoritarianism. Gavin Newsom, not conservatives. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 Double Crispy Cheesy Burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new 
double crispy cheesy burger. The flame fresh taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Get the new double crispy cheesy burger with double the flame fresh taste. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Tell you what, you don't have to look real hard to find examples of weapons-grade stupidity, do you? Some really sad news coming out of Louisville, Kentucky this morning. You know that we had that uh, slaughter, that bank employee that slaughtered fellow employees Monday morning at Old National Bank in Louisville. I will not give you his name. But his mother, the shooter's mother, made a frantic phone call Monday morning to 911 telling the operator at 911 that her son currently has a gun and is headed toward the bank where he slaughtered five people Monday. Authorities released the 911 calls yesterday. Bank employee, he used an AR-15 style rifle in the attack. He live streamed the massacre before the cops finally shot and killed him. Eight other people were injured, including a police officer who was shot in the head, remains hospitalized in critical condition. In the call made by his mother, she told the operator, quote, he's never hurt anyone. He's a really good kid. Please don't punish him. He's nonviolent. He's never done anything wrong. He told the operator that her son's roommate, Dallas Whalen, had found a note and called her because of the note that he found, apparently written by her son. Her name is Lisa. Lisa was told by the 911 operator they had received multiple 911 calls about the shooting. So he's already there? The mother asked, adding, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get to my car. I'm shaking. The operator then advised that she should stay away from the scene of the shooting. During that call, Lisa, the shooter's mother, also speculated that her son may have gotten his gun from his girlfriend. I don't know where we he would have gotten the gun, she said. He must have gotten it from his girlfriend. Later, she said, I think maybe his girlfriend may have had a gun. I don't know. Maybe he saw them. Authorities believe he bought the gun about a week before the massacre. None of the callers were identified by name, and other information was edited out of the calls that were released. But the first message that came in was from a woman who was on a video call inside the bank. She screamed and cried throughout the four-minute call, said there was an active shooter at the downtown branch of the bank. I just watched it on a team's meeting, she said. We were having a board meeting with our commercial lending team. We heard multiple shots. Everybody started saying, oh my God. And then he came into the boardroom. After the first call, others began streaming in. One of the callers said she was calling from within the building as numerous gunshots were heard in the background. I'm in a closet hiding, she said. She added that people had been shot 
and gave a description of the shooting, saying she knew the shooter. He works with us. How long will it be before they get here, she whispered. And the dispatcher told her that authorities were on the way and advised her to keep quiet. Asked what kind of injuries there were, the caller replied, I don't know, I just saw a lot of blood. One witness who fled the bank and headed for a nearby dentist office told the 911 operator, I just saw a shotgun as he was coming around the corner. People have been shot. Please get people there fast, please. Ambulances too. While another said, we have an active shooter in our building. Get here now. We need somebody now. Another call came from a man inside the bank who told dispatchers the address and said, we have an active shooting in our building. White male. He's an employee of Old National Bank. Get here now. We need somebody now. Another came from a motorist driving down Main Street in Louisville who reported seeing a man with an assault rifle and a bulletproof vest walking around. How long ago was it that you saw this, the dispatcher asked. The caller said it was about five minutes prior and asked, has anybody else reported this? Like, I hope to God I'm seeing things. The dispatcher then described what others reported the suspect was wearing and the caller confirmed it. Did you see him shooting, the dispatcher asked. No, ma'am, he was kind of like jogging around like he was trying to get somewhere in a hurry, the caller said, but wasn't able to give the direction the shooter was headed. Yesterday's release of these calls included a half hour of emergency responder radio traffic. Transparency is important, even more so in times of crisis. Today we are releasing the 911 calls from Monday's mass shooting. Parts of the audio have been redacted to protect the privacy of those involved, the mayor, Craig Greenberg, said. It was earlier reported the shooter had been neutralized around three minutes after officers got to the bank. On the 911 calls, emergency responders could be heard assessing the situation, sharing bits of information, such as the locations of possible victims. Those officers were also told to bring witnesses to the nearby Slugger Baseball Stadium. The release came hours before an interfaith vigil was planned at the Muhammad Ali Center to remember victims and allow the public to offer prayers for the injured. This is a very tough time for our city. We were not meant to go through tough times alone, the mayor said. Tuesday, police released body camera video that showed the chaotic moments when officers arrived at the bank as a shooter who they couldn't see rained bullets down on them. Louisville Metro Police Department Deputy Chief Paul Humphrey walked reporters through edited footage and still photos too at a news conference praised the responding officers for their heroism. The shooter's parents said in a statement their son had mental health challenges that were being addressed, but there were never any warning signs or indications he was capable of this shocking act. They said they're mourning for the victims and the loss of their son and working with cops to understand what happened. This, by definition, folks, was the 15th mass killing in the country this year comes just two weeks after a former student killed three kids, three adults, at a Christian elementary school in Nashville. The five bank employees killed in Louisville in the shooting were Joshua Barrick, a senior vice president, Deanna Eckert, 
an executive administrative officer, Tommy Elliott, also a senior VP, Juliana Farmer, a loan analyst, and Jim Tut Jr., a commercial real estate market executive. The vigil yesterday started at 5 p.m. local time. How do we stop this? If you were with us on Tuesday, Steve Baker and I, in our second hour of this show, we do that, by the way, every Tuesday. He and I both talked about it. We're both Second Amendment guys. We're both from the South. We basically, he grew up here in Shreveport. He's uh, now living in, in Durham, North Carolina. I'm from South Louisiana, and I've been here since 1970 in Northwest Louisiana. I'm a Second Amendment guy. I believe in peaceful, legal gun ownership and gun usage. How and why did I become a Second Amendment supporter? I grew up in South Louisiana. I got my first gun when I was 15 years old, 14 years old, I'm sorry, 14 years old. It was a used Remington 1100 12-gauge shotgun that my grandfather gave to me for Christmas. And the reason he gave it to me was our family, my father had been in a really bad accident on, on his job, had workers' comp, but workers' comp didn't pay much then, didn't pay enough for our family to get and have everything we needed just to get by. I hunted and I fished and I killed a lot of South Louisiana animals with that 12-gauge shotgun. And the result of that was meat on the table for my family for many meals. I fished a lot. I fished and hunted a lot. I bought, with my own money I saved up from working part-time in radio, a 14-foot-long bateau. And if you don't know South Louisiana, it's an aluminum flat-bottom boat. And it had an 18-horsepower Evan Evan Root engine. And we lived in the middle of a bunch of big lakes in Franklin, Louisiana. And it was a perfect place for me to go. Year-round, I could go hunting. I could go fishing, depending on the weather. And I got to be honest with you, we struggled. Now, does that mean, (laughs) does that make every gun owner in America the same kind of gun owner I was. No, not at all. In fact, it's probably far from it. But let me tell you what's missing in this nation regarding gun crimes and gun violence. It's blanketed legal accountability. And it's not just about gun ownership and gun usage. It's not just about that. It's about this wave of lawlessness and the justification for lawlessness that many people who have taken oaths in their offices, elected positions in many cases, some appointed positions, when they take that oath, they always, they commit. They're going to protect and defend the people that are they're going to work for. And more and more and more, we're seeing people that took uh, took those oaths of office turn and walk away from the oaths that they took, and they're not holding people accountable. It starts at the top. Joe Biden, 
He, of all people, should be totally committed to the number one job that he had when he, on January 20 of 2021, became president of the United States. His number one job was to protect us. How does anybody protect anybody else? Make sure that any of the wrongdoers that would go after that citizen, every citizen, would have protection and would know they were being protected by those in charge over us that work for Joe Biden, but their explicit number one and only job is to enforce the laws that the people's representatives passed and a previous president signed into law. By the way, those lawmakers that made those laws, Joe Biden was one of those for almost 50 years in the U.S. Senate. For some reason, Joe Biden, Alvin Bragg, that prosecutor in New York that is totally committed to get Donald Trump, prosecutors around the nation that have been largely backed in their runs for office by people like George Soros, who is an anti-American. Even though George Soros is a citizen, he's got dual citizenship, he cannot stand the structure of the United States. He cannot stand law enforcement. He knows that his desire, which is for authoritarianism, where that select group of people control everything about this nation, its living and its operation for its people, that's authoritarianism. And you can't have that when the people have control. When the people are in charge of their lives and their government, Hardcore authoritarians have no place to live and do what they want to live, do what they want to do where they live. You do away with law. You do away with law enforcement. You have anarchy and authoritarianism is sucked right into it. You don't stop gun shooting by doing away with guns. It's never happened in any place in the world. It doesn't happen because criminals don't adhere to laws. They don't buy guns legally. They don't obtain guns legally. Nobody gives them guns that they kill people with. They get them illegally. Criminals going to criminalize. That's just the way it works. Honest people people that adhere to the rule of law, that respect law enforcement officers, those are the thin line between the United States people and anarchy. Our forefathers recognized that might happen. You know how they knew? Because they were part of that same thing. They came here to get away from what George Soros and apparently Joe Biden and Barack Obama, what they want this nation to look like. Just what our forefathers fled Northern Europe to get away from. The same things that millions of people from other countries have flooded our border to get here with Joe Biden as president. They've come here for the American dream. 
Very few of them want to come here and deal with criminals attacking them and their families once they get here because somebody in law enforcement doesn't want to enforce laws. It is a very vicious circle in which we find ourselves. And the viciousness, this president and those that are on his watch, people like Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, they thumb their noses at the law and they pour gasoline on lawlessness and the criminality that happens to American law-abiding citizens because of what they refuse to do, which is do what they swore in their oaths of office they would do. Job one, protect the American people by enforcing the rule of law. We're going to reach a tipping point. We may already be there, I don't know. But we're going to get to a tipping point where something massive on some grand scale is going to happen in the United States and the light is going to shine brighter than ever on those who have just totally abandoned the one thing that makes us different from every other nation on earth. And it's the structure of our laws and the enforcement of our laws and what the Biden United States of America is beginning to look like is just another third world banana republic. I'm sad to say it. I'm sad to say it. But I'm positive that event, whatever it's going to look like, maybe a series of events, maybe bam, 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 bam. Something is impending that is going to shock the nation. And I just pray. I pray what I'm about to tell you. I pray it every day. I prayed it this morning. Lord, keep us safe. Keep us safe. Open the eyes of those who are in authority over us and protect the nation and preserve the rule of law here because without it, we're not a nation at all. That's where we are, folks. That's where we are. Well, let's move on. It's April, but we've only got 10 months to go. The clock is ticking down to January when the first two states, those would be Iowa and New Hampshire, pick their favorites to be the next president of the United States. The clear favorite for the Democrats right now, current president. And for Republicans, Donald Trump. But neither contender can take their lead for granted. And there are already polls out that are giving us little insight into it. Look at the Democrats, for example. Biden's favored today by 39% of Democrats and Democrat-leaning voters. That's a four-point drop from 43% just a month ago, according to the April online tip poll of 662 Democrats who lean Democrat, some independents, taken from March 29th to March 31st. Who's number two? Well, it's not a person. (laughs) It's not sure slash somebody else, which received 11% of the responses. 
The only other challenger within even sniffing distance of double digits is Michelle Obama at 8%, the same reading as back in March. What about Vice President Kamala Harris? Well, unable to reverse her flagging popularity, she actually fell in the latest poll from 9% in March to just 7% this month. Only Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg has increased his numbers, going from 3 to 5% in April. That's a gain that's still within the margin of error. The Democrats' two progressive possibles, Vermont Socialist Bernie Sanders, 7%, and Massachusetts Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren, 4%, a little change from the, the month of March. A handful of others, including Hillary Clinton, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, both of them at 4%. Gavin Newsom, 3%. Virginia Senator and former Vice Presidential Candidate Tim Kaine and Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar both trailed badly at just 2%. Meanwhile, there's a number of other possibilities out there. They're polling only at 1%. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, and Colorado Governor Jared Polis. So while Biden might be slipping somewhat in his overall support, none of the likely challengers in this poll show any real progress in cutting into his overall lead, which is nearly five times his nearest competitor's total. In fact, Biden has more support, listen to this, than his next six challengers combined. Now, your big question is, what about Republicans? I will dig into that on the other side of this. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Hi, Tom Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. dig in and look at the GOP and who is doing what in the way of polling headed up to the 
primaries that are going to begin in January. Former Trump, well, former President Trump, 51%. A total of 456 Republicans and independents who lean Republican answered the GOP primary question, and they put Trump at 51. His nearest challenger, Ron DeSantis, garnered 23%. So the experts are saying that even though he's way behind the former president, that DeSantis still has a good shot if he decides he's going to run. Trump's former vice president, Mike Pence, got 5% support, but that was down from 7 in both March and February. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, also former South Carolina governor, is in fourth place with 4%, the same as in March, but that's up from just 1% in February. Another former Trump official, ex-Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, gets 3%. Meanwhile, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, they trail at 1%. Meanwhile, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem and New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu both tallied just a single vote apiece. That's effectively zero. So far, with perhaps the exception of the popular Florida Governor DeSantis, the Republican race seems to be shaking out to be Trump's versus everybody else. And right now, Donald Trump wins hands down. Why are we even having this conversation, Dan? Well, it's because, folks, I know we don't want to think about it, but we're close to the election cycle in which we go back to the polls every two years to pick our members of the House of Representatives, Congress, and every two years we have some elections for some of the senators but every four years we elect a president. I know it seems like it was just yesterday that we were choosing or trying to choose between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Here we go. We're right back in the middle of it. And as we get closer and closer to the primary time, what is the most obvious thing that's happening out there in the political blogosphere? Think about that for a second. What's the most obvious thing that's going on? Every day now, we hear of another attack coming from some quarter against Donald Trump. Tucker Carlson had Glenn Greenwald on. And this pair talked about this volley of attacks on Donald Trump. I wanted you to hear it. Glenn Greenwald has long reported on the political abuses of the legal system. He is the host of System Update on Rumble and our friend, he joins us tonight. Glenn, you would think somebody would say, look, I don't like Trump, but this is doing grave damage to institutions we're gonna need two years from now and for the next hundred years, but not one person that we can find has said that. I heard you in your prior segment saying, where's people like Karl Rove and George Bush and the people who lecture us. I think people like Victoria Nuland demonstrate the theater 
behind this whole Republican versus Democratic war. Yes. This is the key to the whole thing, which is that they are determined not to criminalize conservatism or the Republican Party. They're fine with people like Jeb Bush or John McCain or Mitt Romney or Nikki Haley or Lindsey Graham or whoever. They're determined to criminalize Donald Trump and his movement because the only time Victoria Nuland wasn't in government, she was worked for Clinton, then she worked for George Dick Cheney, then she worked for yes. Obama, now she worked for Biden, was when Donald Trump was elected president. So that's the only way you get these people out of government. And that's why they're single-mindedly determined to criminalize not the Republican Party, but Donald Trump and his movement. And that's what we saw yesterday with his indictment and today with this person who's now going to prison because of anti-Hillary Clinton memes he posted on Twitter. The problem is in organizing the system that way, they cut out the majority of the population. Are the majority of American voters of either party in favor, for example, of going to war with nuclear-armed Russia and China? I don't think there's any evidence the majority is in favor of that, do you? No, or for example, keeping troops in Syria, which I would bet right. you barely anybody even knows that the United States is doing, let alone wants to. And yet Matt Gates had a resolution to withdraw all troops from Syria, saying we shouldn't be spending money on that. We shouldn't be spending money here at home. And the Republicans and Democrats joined together the establishment wings to say, no, we want to keep let Joe Biden keep troops in Syria. It's the establishment wings of both parties that are the real enemy. And they're the ones who rule no matter what you go and do at the voting booth. Donald Trump was the only one who could disrupt it, and that's why they want to criminalize that movement. That's exactly right. I mean, if you were just to write out the crimes of Donald Trump being obnoxious, okay, versus the crimes of Toria Newland destroying the West, you know, uh, one list would be longer than the other, but who's getting indicted? Glenn Greenwald, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks, Dr. Very much. They, every one of them, have their hair on fire. They are petrified of Donald Trump in another four years. Now, why is that? It can't be, it, it just can't be because how bad he was when he was in office for four years before, it's exactly the opposite. But he did it in the face of them telling everybody he can't get anything done. He can't do what he promised he was going to do when he campaigned, but he got it done. He got as much done and even more done that many of us thought that he could. And as Tucker Carlson said, you don't like the way he talks. You don't like what he says sometimes or the way he says it. That's okay. I get it. But it should be substance over symbolism instead of the old died in the wool political way, which is symbolism more important than substance. As long as it looks good and sounds good and everybody likes what you say, then you should be the person. Let me give you an example. Donald Trump, with Tucker, by the way, the other night, he said that the greatest threat facing the world is nuclear war. Here's what he said, quote, I call it the N-word. You have two N-words, he said. You don't mention either one of them. Now, this was Trump talking to Tucker Carlson. The nuclear word you don't mention because the power is so destructive. I met with professors at MIT. I was preparing for a debate. I wouldn't say it was a long prep, but I did want to talk about nuclear because I consider it to be the single greatest threat the world has, far greater than global warming. Not even a contest, he said. 
Trump also called out the Biden administration over its policy towards Russia and was among candidates and potential candidates who answered a series of questions from Tucker Carlson on Ukraine. The U.S. has sent over $100 billion in aid to Ukraine after Russia invaded on February 24th a year ago and announced in January they would send 31 M1 Abrams main battle tanks following a December announcement that a battery of MIM-104 Patriot surface-to-air missiles would be provided to Ukraine. When we talk about war, and when I watch all of the people talking about Ukraine and how's Ukraine doing, blah, 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 Russia is sitting back, Trump said. First of all, Ukraine is being obliterated. But let's not even talk nuclear. Let's say it wasn't. Let's say they were doing better than anticipated. If he, Putin, decided to use his second form of destruction which is nuclear, that's the end of that. Now, isn't that interesting? Trump's on with Tucker. Everybody is attacking Donald Trump everywhere, on every side. Bad man, orange man, evil. Can't let him get back in the White House. Karl Rove said the other day, who is, by the way, the epitome of a rhino, Republican in name only, never Trumper. And in an interview, I just heard him curtly say, Trump can't beat Biden. That was it. That's all he said about Donald Trump. Trump can't beat Biden. Well, that's not how presidential elections go. Mr. Rove, you've got one vote, just like me. That's a wrap. (laughs) on TNN Live on Thursday as we head toward the weekend. We're going to go into the weekend the good way, the great way. We're going to go in laughing and planning for a good time this weekend on tomorrow's show. Make sure you're here. Got a few surprises for you. And until then, have a great Thursday. Yeah, this is one right here.
trust in you Put my trust in you It's a little bit Jump ahead, so light it up. 